let me know. Um, but um, and so Travis is joining us, the TCU graduate who now covers the Aggies and has made his way out to, to Hoover. It's interesting, and I'm, I'm anxious to, to hear from the Aggies because they were on the cover of Texas Football Magazine. There's talk of the wrecking crew. That is what happens when the Aggies start having some success. We bring up some of the old days, and we start talking about the wrecking crew and that defense in it. Okay, good. We have you. Travis, I'm sorry, man. I'm here. Oh, we lost you there in the uh, the bowels of the the hall there in um, in Hoover, Alabama. I was just asking you when we were cut off what that uh, what that whole environment is like for people that have never been to the SEC media days. Is it is there a calm before the storm, or is it like the first day when you arrive? Is it already just completely covered up with media, and are people already out there in their RVs uh, doing Lord knows what? Typically, when you come out here to SEC media days, it is a circus and a half. You have media from all over the country, all over everywhere. You have fans in the lobby screaming and wanting autographs. and everything. It's usually just an absolute nutso circus. This year, a little bit more subdued. They had some restrictions on how many credentials they put out. There's some media that got all week credentials. There's some that just got specific days. And the fan section, there's usually a little a little corral of fans, if you will, in the lobby. Um, that has gotten moved out. I'm actually currently standing next to the fan corral out front of the uh the, the Winfrey Hotel here in Hoover, and there is not a single fan out here. I am the only one here. So a little bit different than normal years, but yeah, usually, I mean, as having gone to the Big 12 media days and having now gone to the SEC media days, night and day difference, it is, it is nuts. <laughs> yeah, you've done it. You saw, uh, we had, by the way, your old friend Gary Patterson on recently, Travis Proud graduate of TCU. And uh, but he, we like to talk about his new music. He was playing over at Billy Bob's recently and uh-huh. all that kind of thing. So um, Gary is uh, Gary actually. Uh, and Travis, I may have uh, copied you on this. He 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 came out and said that this reminds him of that Rose Bowl team. The chemistry he said he has on this roster with TCU reminds him of that Rose Bowl season in that era, which. Um, well, what is that? Not now, Boykin and those guys were 2014, but it was well before that. What was that year? Was that 2000? You know it by heart. 11. Uh, 2011. Year 11. Mm-hmm. Did your Did your ears perk up when you saw me tweeting that out about what Patterson said? Uh, they all, when you tweet anything, Matt, my ears perk up. I mean, so especially <laughs> when you are tweeting things about the the purple frogs from Fort Worth, uh, I always I always it always piques my interest. I I don't know if. Max Duggan has quite the same uh, cannon as as the old Red Rifle did, but I'll I'll be curious to see. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, that's really interesting. I think Gary is is he loves having a chip on his shoulder, and he's had people say he doesn't have a big play receiver or talk about that one running back who left. And as only Gary could, he came on here and he said something to the effect of that running back was probably our third or fourth best running back, the guy who transferred out. I, just, I thought that was so Gary. <laughs> to, Mentioned the paper to, tigers a few times. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. Uh, he was in rare form, and also we we he uh, he we talked about some of his uh, songwriting. Talked to Travis Brown, 
who's there in uh, the media SEC media days for the uh, – I almost said the Aggie newspaper for the Eagle. The battalion. Um, I, 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 I didn't say it. I was a skiff guy, Matt. I was a skiff guy, TCU Daily Skiff. S-K-I-F-F, is that right? Yeah, yes. The skiff, okay. At one point they were thinking about shutting down the battalion on campus, and, boy, there was a, some major backlash, and maybe they were able to, to save that thing. But uh, I, I now what other than focusing on the Aggies and everybody associated to the Aggies, give me your thoughts on Greg Sankey, the commissioner talks today. I thought I my takeaway was that boy he is he's echoing Bob Bowlesby and saying get vaccinated. Um, yeah. And 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 six of the fourteen SEC teams have reached the eighty percent threshold. Um, to me, that sounds you know like they're moving in the right direction on that. And of course, if you don't, if you don't meet that threshold, you put your you do you're at risk of not playing games. And even people who maybe are anti-vaxxers or don't want to get vaccinated, a lot of them are football fans, so they can have their own personal things with vaccinations. But Travis, they want these football players out there. And uh, I, I thought that was interesting today that the commissioner of the SEC he did not soft shoe that thing. He was basically yeah, was, like, we need to get folks out there, and we don't need to turn this into a political football. Yeah, that's exactly what he said, and, and, and it, that's the lead to my story. It was a stark contrast. When you come in and you get to this hotel that we've been at a million times, and you see friendly faces, and no one's wearing masks, and football's it, it felt like norm, normalcy. It felt like normal times back before COVID, but then Jerry Sankey comes up, and starts the whole thing off on the exact note of, hey, you want to look around and see why there's half as many people here this this go around, and why we have you're, you're, everyone's up at a podium and you're not getting to talk to players in little scrums. That's because COVID is still a thing and it's still around, and it's still things that we're having to talk about in preparation for this season because vaccination rates in some schools, some places are still low, as it is the case around uh, the country and in the exact same vague but not so vague form that Bob Bowlesby talked about what they were going to do if there were outbreaks on teams leading up to games this season, it was kind of, hey, you know, there's not any wiggle room like they had last year to reschedule games to, to make those things happen. A&M, of course, was one of the teams that had a, a, a game canceled with Ole Miss because of the, the, the uh, schedule shuffling that happened last year in an outbreak. The Aggies had uh, in the um, in the in the season last year, but yeah, it's it's kind of sort of vaccinate or, or or risk the consequences. And of course, these schools, these coaches can't necessarily tell their teams to go or tell their players mandate them to go get vaccinated. But they surely now have a whole nother tool to say, listen, you don't want to be the guy that causes the outbreak that then causes a, a game to get canceled or forfeited. I mean, look at what the Aggies, a lot of expectations they had this year uh, going into uh, the season at being number five last year. A lot of people say that they could be on the verge of a college football playoff berth. And if you forfeit one game, if you forfeit the Kent State game, how is that going to affect that whole scenario? That, that, that could cost you the playoffs. So, yeah, it was a very, very uh, vague but definitive uh, remarks from, from Greg Sankey on, on how they're going to necessarily handle COVID. And frankly, I think it kind of gives another tool uh, to these coaches. Now, the interesting thing, you go, I actually got to talk to Greg a little bit to the side and, and ask, you know, like, well, what are some of these schools? And he, he said he didn't ask, huh, which, you know, uh, uh, interesting enough. But there's also reports and, and there's, there's things being talked around that he, he told me about 
um, you know, if, if schools reach like an 85% threshold, then they can get the masks off. They don't have to wear the masks around each other of 85% vaccinated or, or um, it, it, you know, players who are, do get the vaccine don't have to have regular testing. And these are all things that they're voting on and, and mulling through and talking about, but those could be possibilities in the future. And, and seeing how things could either look a lot more like the college football that we have come to expect or could look a lot like the 2020 season. All right, talking to Travis Brown and, and talking about uh, what was said today at SCC Media Days. He is there in Hoover, Alabama. Um, I don't know exactly. I know it's not that far from Birmingham. Uh, Travis, I don't know how far you are from the ocean. Uh, if you're within striking distance, I would get over there. I know you've got a traveling companion who's a little older than you are. I would not try to take him to the beach with me. But uh, but I would try to I would try to make it over there. Many years ago, I had uh, lunch with the Southland commissioner, and we really hit it off. There were three of us: uh, Mark Conradi and the Southland commissioner, and myself. And we just had a great time. And we kind of uh, said, "Well, let's play some golf together. Let's get together." I mean, we just had to, we had the best time. I thought he was the greatest guy. And who do you think, Travis? That turned out to be. Uh. I believe that would be a Mr. Greg Sankey, right? Yes, that would be the SEC yeah. commissioner. And when he got yeah. that role, I thought to myself, you mean that nice, like very unassuming guy is going to deal with all these vipers from Bama and Auburn? And you know what? The guy's done a really nice job, and he's been able to manage it. But I, at the time, I never would have thought. He was so sort of unassuming and just kind of a really laid-back type guy that he would be the voice of the SEC or the head of the SEC. And, it's really and a, interesting. And a strong voice at that. A strong voice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, okay, so Travis is there covering it. Travis Brown for the Eagle and reporting back to College Station. Okay, your biggest storylines that you have to hit. Now, you constantly, even with Kellen Mond having been there for it seems like seven years, and that was every year. Okay, is Kellen – okay, do, you, do they have faith in Kellen? What's Kellen going to do? Well, last year, A&M, everything you know, comes to fruition. They have a really tremendous season. But now this year, still high hopes, uh, really talented players on both sides of the ball, but everybody's wondering the same thing. Who is going to play quarterback, and, and, do you, you know, and are you going to feel comfortable about who that player is? Uh, Travis, who, that'll come up certainly Wednesday. Do you think Jimbo has zeroed in on all this? And do you, do you, have you been reading the tea leaves on who's going to end up with his job? Well, it's, it's funny. We, we, uh, Jimbo Fisher was actually at the Texas High School Coaches Association coaching school on Sunday, which we did not get to attend because we were making the 10-hour drive out here to Hoover. But got to read some of the notes and transcripts in there, and there must have been someone, one of our, our, our lovely colleagues from, from the, the Longview paper there because they were asking a lot of questions about Haynes King, and he had a lot to say about Haynes King. If you're asking me to put my money down, I would put it on Haynes King as being the guy because, I mean, he, he is as much of that kind of Kellen Mond um, prototypical quarterback that, that, they've, that Jimbo Fisher's worked with. He can uh, move with his legs. He can throw pretty decently um, with an offensive line that's a little bit uncertain um, with replacing four starters. It always helps to have the guy that can move around and create a little bit on his own uh, should things kind of break apart and fall down. And so I think Haynes King is going to be the guy um, and, and he had a lot of things to say about Hank King um, on, on Sunday. We'll be interested to see uh, how much he has to say about that because uh, he's kind of been a guy that um, 
likes to keep it pretty close to the vest until right maybe the before uh, game week he'll, he'll put something out. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's a big thing. I, I think the thing that, that to ask about this year um, and see how much we can get is kind of what I said a second ago, and that is this, this whole mechanism either succeeds or fails on how well the offensive line can reload from losing four guys last year. Um, they got Kenyon Green back, who is an All-American. He's going to probably the best overall talent on the team, um, but beyond that, they're going to have a lot of a lot of new guys, a lot of fresh faces on there, and and it'll depend on how well they can adapt and and jump right into SEC play on on which way the season's going to go for the Aggies. All right, Travis. I hope they don't get uh, the, you know, to the big head about uh, being on the cover of Texas Football Magazine. That was uh, that was interesting. Uh, the Aggies, uh, all those defenders on there, and uh, man, some of those guys look like they have spent some time in the weight room. I just wanted you to know, Travis. During our conversation, I did pull up some Haynes King highlights, and I'm watching that drive he had against Alabama.